Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God uh, Biblical Instructional Program. Uh, it's 3 o'clock on the East Coast uh, in California, the, the western region of the United States. Now it's about 12 o'clock, time for lunch. And in the central region of the United States, uh, it's uh, 2 o'clock and then uh, 1 o'clock appropriately. This program is for those who sincerely desire to want to know the truth of the Bible, and I do the best I can to preach the truth. And it's not for those who want to argue and fuss and not want to believe what the Scriptures uh, are clearly indicating. So I just wanted to put that little disclaimer there. Also, um, I've been doing this now, I think, uh, for four years, since 2008. And uh, I do this freely, and I do it because I know that Yah or God wants me to do it. Uh, he's given me the abilities to do it, and is my way of giving back to society, and I would appreciate greatly uh, if you uh, have it in your heart to give, to give to this work so I can continue to, to do what I'm doing and to uh, spread this message uh, as, as far as I can over the Internet. Uh, the inter- Internet has a reach of 2 billion, that's what would be 2 billion people, over 2 billion people. So I, I want to do the best I can, but I would appreciate uh if you would help, and the way, if you do have it in your heart to help this work, uh, go to uh, mercifulservantsofgod.com, click the link on the menu bar, Tithes and Offerings, and you can just scroll all the way down to the bottom, and you'll see a Donate button there. We appreciate uh, your contributions. All right, I want to talk about some significant events that we know, I, I would think the probably the biggest event that happened this week was the re-election of Barack Obama, and I wrote uh, in preparation of this program, what does this mean for America, and what does this mean for the world, because I really believe it's very significant that he was re-elected. Quite a few people were disappointed because Mitt Romney wasn't elected. Uh, I know the Mormons had some kind of prophecy or whatever. I didn't really go into detail about that that uh, perhaps a president, uh, 
a Mormon president would lead this country out, out of wickedness and so forth. Well, it didn't come to pass. As many of the prophecies that people create and so forth, uh, people are always trying to figure out, like Harold Camping and, and other characters, uh, uh, they they try to, to figure out when the end would be. And it's pretty plain in the scriptures that Yeshua stated no man knows. Well, let's look at that scripture here. Let me find it here. So let's let's understand where that scripture is located because we have many people today trying to predict that and make a make a whole ministry off that you know and and that's that's unfortunate that that they do that but uh, we we should know better than that and we should know that um, no man can tell when exactly our Lord and Savior will come back. So we have to, to understand that here. So, let's see if I can find a scripture here. I think it's in Matthew somewhere. Let's see. Here we go. Well, in Matthew 24 it says, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. And then Matthew 25, verse 13, states, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. So that's pretty plain. And Mark 13, verse 32. Here we go. Mark 13, verse 32. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels, which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. And... I guess that a lot of people have an issue with that scripture because you still have so-called prophets trying to figure out the day and the hour when he plainly stated that the angels don't know, and you'd think the angels would know, right? And then the Son doesn't know, the Son of God doesn't know, only the Father. And so that means what it says, and I know a lot of Messianics are always talking about the Feast of Trumpets. Yes, yes, as an allusion to it. However... Do we know every year those who do understand how to celebrate Yom Tov or, or the Feast of Trumpets? Do we know when the Feast of Trumpets will begin? No, we have to go by New Moon observance. Okay, so that still applies even in that case. So I would suggest anyone that's trying to figure out the day to stop it. Okay, <laughs> he says no man knows the day and the hour, no angel knows the day, and not even the Son of God knows the day and the hour. Only the Father. So I just wanted to make that perfectly clear to my listeners. Now, also last week I had some people call in, and I was so into the Bible study that I didn't recognize that, so I apologize. But if you call in, if you want to call in and, and say something uh, or contribute to the program, or if you have a comment that will contribute to the program, um, go ahead and call in, and I'll, I'll allow you to speak. Okay, so I apologize for that. Also, I updated my Blog Talk Radio website. I have a link to my Twitter account for the program. Also, a link to Facebook if you want to connect through Facebook and Twitter. Feel free to do so. Okay, getting back to my conversation with about Barack Obama. Um, you know, I'm black, as many of you know. <laughs> Look at my picture, I'm black. <laughs> uh, Barack Obama lived in an area that I'm very familiar with. I live uh, in Hyde Park, well, not in Hyde Park, but I used to go there a lot uh, in my little party days as a teenager. 
and it was a very nice area. I'm still, I'm quite sure it's still a nice area today. And I used to to go there to the Giordano's. I think they're oh yeah, Derek Rose. He he bought Giordano's. I think so. They're still in business, but at the time they were they were suffering financially. But anyway, um, Barack Obama. That's where he used to live until he became president of the United States. I'm very familiar with the Hyde Park, Chicago area. Uh, so I, I you know we live in the same city or lived in the same city. I, I live in Reynoldsburg, Ohio now, uh, and. He lives, of course, uh, in the District of Columbia or Washington. Uh, not the state of Washington, but Washington, D.C., District of Columbia, as the president. And I've read various things about President Obama. I don't know what's true and what isn't, but what I do know is his stand on abortion and homosexuality, and both those stands are against what the Bible teaches. Um but I want to focus on the gay agenda that he is influencing here because it's really major right now, and uh, we need to understand the consequences of that because uh, I don't think many people take it seriously, especially Democrats, liberals. They they, they really, it's as long as uh, we get government aid and so forth, which, you know, I'm not going to make a, a horrendous big deal about the uh, the suppose socialism that the Obama administration is um, endorsing and so forth. Uh, there's a right way to do socialism and there's a wrong way. And the, the right way, of course, is a biblical way. You should help someone if they're struggling, help themselves. There's nothing wrong with that. Of course, some people abuse the system, but you always have rotten apples in any type of system or, or organization but that should be an excuse not to help people. But, like I said, the real issue with um, Mr. Obama is his feelings on being gay. Now, um, I don't know if he's, you know, many people have said that he perhaps may be gay himself, but I know that Newsweek, and you can Google this, uh, type in first gay president uh, on the Google search engine, and... You know, what will come up is his picture, and it has like a little rainbow around his head, the first gay president. And so that that's, and this happened, uh, he said that same-sex couples ought to get married May 9th, 2012. And then when he said that, uh, we started having an increase of curses, in particular the last curse that we've had uh, is Hurricane Sandy, uh, which doesn't surprise me that it went into those areas where they're, uh, endorsing uh, same-sex marriage. So uh, we have to be aware of that. Uh, the state of Washington allowed, it's actually nine states right now that allow same-sex marriage, and three states voted November 6th to allow same-sex marriage. I think it's Maine, Maryland, and uh, Washington. Uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong about that, but I know it's three states that voted for same-sex marriage, and that's not going to help this country at all as far as uh, preventing any further curses from coming down the line. And what I mean by curses, let's, let's look at, first of all, what Yeshua stated, or Jesus, in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And, you know, the context of Matthew, I love Matthew chapter 24, and if you listen to me long enough, you know that I go to this frequently because Matthew chapter 24 outlines prophecy in a simple way. 
And the context of this is his second coming, Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. And I'm reading this in the King James Version. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what, sh- what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world, or the end of the, of the way we're living right now, the way society is living in a sinful way? Verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you or trick you. And that's the first thing that came out of his mouth. So, we have to understand there's a lot of deception, and I mean a lot of deception, in this world. Um, please hold your place here in Matthew chapter 24. Scripture just popped in my mind in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 16. And if we go to verse 19, it states, O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles, that means the nations, outside of the, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth, and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. This is the word of God speaking, so pay attention. He's stating that our generations have inherited lies. Lies, lies, lies. Verse 20. Shall a man make gods unto himself, and they are no gods, but that's what we do today. We worship human beings. And and we we scream and holler at concerts and, and do all kind of crazy things. Verse twenty show and verse twenty one, therefore behold I will this once cause them to know, I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is uh the Lord, the the Tetragrammaton, Y H W H or Y H Y H V. Uh, people can't make up their minds what it is, nor can they make up their minds how it's pronounced, and I'm not going to go there. It can be Yahweh, Yehovah, Yahweh, etc. So, but anyway, it's prophesied that people would know his name, and, and, and that's what we're doing. We're all trying to figure out his name today. But what I want you to recognize is verse 19, where it says, The Gentiles shall come forth unto thee from the ends of the earth, and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, or meaninglessness, and things wherein there is no profit. Meaningless. Things that are meaningless. I'm getting a tongue twister today. Anyway, let me drink some water. Meaningless. There we go. That's what happens when you drink some water. Anyway. So, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, he says, Take heed that no man deceive or trick you. And then verse 5, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Many will be deceived or tricked. And verse 6, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. And, of course, the wars that we're hearing about right now is what? The one major war that people know that this world would be put into another stage of history. The Iranian war, which appears to be coming closer to fruition or coming into focus here. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. So he commands us not to be troubled, but the end is not yet. Verse 7, for a nation shall rise against nation, that nation should be translated families or tribes, shall rise against families or tribes, and I can relate to that one, and kingdom, and I'm sure many of you can too, and kingdom against kingdom, 
and there shall be famines. And why are there going to be famines? Well, I'm going to quote another scripture to help you understand that. And pestilences and earthquakes in various places. So if you hold your place here in Matthew 24, verse 7, let's turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. We need to be studying these prophecies here because uh, we are definitely in the end times now. Revelation, where we've been there for a while, but we really, really are in them now. (laughs) Revelation 6, verse 5. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Economics. Verse 6. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And so what this prophecy is predicting, accurately predicting, is that the entire world will be under a economic and financial crisis. And it is going through the genesis or the beginning of a deep economic crisis as I'm speaking. And in particular, in this country, um, you can Google this if you want, uh, this article uh, this is funny. They talk about this after the election, of course, but everything, all the news, if you go to the news cha- stations and everything, or if you do searches on the Internet, really the buzzword right now is the fiscal cliff. What is the fiscal cliff? Well, I'll, I'll try to explain it to you in a simple way, uh, courtesy of an article on CNN Money. Uh, it's what's in the fiscal cliff. You can Google that, America's Debt Challenge by Jeannie Shahadi. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read certain parts of it. And she states here, the fiscal cliff is a man-made disaster waiting to happen. A man-made disaster waiting to happen. It starts to take effect. Now, now remember, New York is the financial capital of the world, the most powerful city in the world, the most wealthy city in the world. It has the International Monetary uh, Organization there. It has... uh, all the World Bank headquarters is there, of course, the United Nations. So it really dominates and rules the world in a sense. But anyway, it says right here, it starts to take effect in January, the fiscal cliff, and includes $7 trillion worth of tax increases and spending cuts over a decade. While that might seem like a deficit hawk's dream come true, is anything but. It's too big, too quick and focuses on the wrong parts of the budget, says Mahaya or Maya McGinnis, who is spearheading the nonpartisan campaign to fix the debt. <laughs> Good luck trying to fix the debt. But anyway, uh, among the policies at issue, reductions in both defense and non-defense spending, the expiration of the Bush tax cuts, which uh, if you don't understand that, those Bush tax cuts, what, what it's doing right now is uh, allowing the rich not to be taxed a lot. Uh, It says the end of a payroll tax holiday and extended unemployment benefits and the onset of reimbursement cuts to Medicaid or Medicare doctors. In addition, the debt ceiling, the legal limit on federal borrowing, will need to be raised by early next year from its current level of $16.394 trillion. This is somewhat, matter of fact, it is a deception because really when you count the entitlement programs, the entitlement programs are uh, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, financial aid, 
uh, any type of government program to help uh, people social, socially, like Social Security and so forth. If you include that along with it, it's over $200 trillion uh, that we owe. And, of course, no politician has talked about that. All they're focusing on is the $16 trillion. But it's so much more than that, folks. And I have to tell you, as a servant of God, I have to tell you the truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. So so anyway, I'm repeating this. In addition to debt ceiling, the, the legal limit on federal borrowing would need to be raised by early next year from its current level of $16.394 trillion. If left in place, if left in place, the fiscal cliff would lead to the biggest single-year drop and the annual deficit as a percent of the economy since 1969. But because it would be so abrupt and arbitrary, it also could throw the United States back into a recession. And this is another deception. We are in a depression, folks, the beginning of a depression, not a recession, but there's silly economic uh, models and paradigms. They, they, they're saying that we're not in a recession. Well, if you ask, if you go and ask people just randomly off the street and you see people in the street living and tents and so forth, uh, you, you realize that we're in the beginning stages of a depression. But anyway, uh, it also could throw the United States back into a recession next year when more than $500 billion, that's what it would be, will be taken out of the economy. So to avoid that, President Obama, newly elected President Obama and Congress, will need to act quickly, quickly to avert at least some parts of the fiscal cliff. So what exactly makes up the fiscal cliff? Let's understand this. Automatic spending cuts. Since Congress failed last year to reach a bipartisan debt reduction deal, the Budget Control Act requires automatic spending cuts to commence or begin on January 2nd that will amount to $1.2 trillion in deficit reduction over 10 years. Defense, $55 billion will be cut in 2013 from projected levels of discretionary, discretionary main extra income defense, defense spending. That translates into at least a 10% cut to every program project and activity that's not explicitly exempt. Non-defense. $55 billion will be cut from projected levels of non-defense spending, which includes things like education, food inspections, and air travel safety. Budget experts estimate the cuts will result in at least an 8% cut to programs, projects, and activities. The Bush tax cuts. The Bush tax cuts, the external partisan tripwire, <laughs> are set to expire December 31st. And as a result, income taxes rise to 15%, 28%, 31%, 36%, 39.6%, up from 10%, 15%, 25%, 28%, 33%, and 35%. Capital gains rate rises to 20% from 15% for most filers and so forth. But anyway, it's, it's bad news, folks, all right? So uh, I don't want to go through this whole thing, but it's, it's a lot of bad news. And, we're, and hopefully they'll get their act together. We need to be praying that they get their act together, but based on, again, the gay agenda being pushed right here, don't be surprised if we, we go through some real trying times here. Um, there's a prophecy that just popped in my mind here in Isaiah chapter 3, and this is what he does to get our attention, and it works. It really does. Uh, Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1, For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem, from Judah, and this is talking about not just the tribes of, of Judah and, uh, and all of Israel, but this is the entire world is going to be suffering, folks, as I just showed you in uh, Revelation chapter 6. But this is a, a more a more detailed explanation 
or an additional explanation of the economic chaos that's occurring. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, in Isaiah 3, verse 1, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water, so the ability to take care of yourself, socioeconomics. That's what he's doing right now. Verse 2, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient. Verse 3, the capital of 50 and the honorable man and the consular and the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator. Verse 4, and I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And that's that's what's going on right now. Verse 5, and the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. Uh, companies right now are looking for ways for people to work more and pay them less, or have them work overtime without pay. That's unfair. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. Verse 6. And when a man shall take hold of his brother of, of the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing, be thou our ruler, and let this room be under thy hand. And that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be a healer, for in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make, not, make me not a ruler of the people. So what's happening right now, as Jesus predicted, famine, which has a lot to do with the ability to take care of yourself. And that's what's happening right now. He takes away the stay of bread to get our attention, to get our attention because of our sins. Verse 8, for Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. And this is the scripture I want to pinpoint here. Verse 9 of Isaiah chapter 3. The show of their face or countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin of Sodom. And they hide it not. Woe unto their soul. For they have rewarded evil unto themselves. And what is the sin of Sodom? Let's find out what the sin of Sodom is. Because most people think it's just homosexuality. It's a whole lot more than that, folks. It's a whole lot more than that. And we are people in this country. We love to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you understand what I'm saying here once uh, I read this scripture to you. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. I'm going to read this in the complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake here. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 in the complete Jewish Bible version. The Jews correctly teach that Sodom and the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah was not just homosexuality. Uh, Ezekiel 16, verse 49. You need to understand this because he calls Israel today uh, proof uh, of that is reading the first chapter of Isaiah, leaders of Sodom and Gomorrah. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, which should help you to understand that the United States is a part of Israel. I, I've, I have to always put this disclaimer, especially for people who listen to me for the first time. Go to www.britam.org. Look at your DeVitis website that proves biblically and outside the Bible that the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, South Africa, the countries of Northwestern Europe, Australia, of course, anyone that believes in uh, King Messiah, which is Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior, uh, is a part of the Commonwealth of Israel, as explained in Ephesians chapter 2. So, And then read 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It helps you to understand that uh, the people during the days of Moses was baptized under the, they had the same spiritual food as as we today. That's what it explains there in the first ten verses of First Corinthians chapter ten. So anyway, so I just wanted to 
help you understand who Israel really is in the Bible. It's not just the Jews. It's talking about those areas that I, that I mentioned, plus people who um, believe in Yeshua Messiah and, and they become a Christian. So anyway, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, the crimes of your sister Sodom were pride and gluttony. Eat, 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 eat. Eat. God calls us, our nickname is Jezreel, wax fat. I'll show that scripture to you too after I get this done. She and her daughters were careless and complacent. We have our iPhones, we have our TV, we just lay back and just relax. Everything is just quick, quick, quick. Let me just press a button, click, click, click. So that they did nothing to help the poor and the needy. That was the great crime of Sodom and Gomorrah right now. We have 50 million people on food stamps. And people, I, I tell you, I, I'm, I've been ministering for a while now, and <laughs> when it comes to asking people for help, and it involves money or something like that, people, it really tests people. It really tests their religion, because what is pure religion? Let's, let's hold your place here in Ezekiel 16, verse 49. I have the scriptures popping in my mind again, but I need to preach this because... It needs to be preached. Uh, James. James chapter 1, verse 27. James chapter 1, verse 27. The religious observance that God the Father considers pure and faultless is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being contaminated by the world, which means there's something wrong with the world is contaminated by wickedness. And I've preached that many times in this program, and I've also preached that the devil deceives this world in Revelation 12, verse 9. Uh, giving to the poor, folks, is very important. If you don't have an inclination to do that, uh, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 29. Another script is popping in my head here. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 7. It says, The righteous understands the cause of the poor. But the wicked is unconcerned. God calls you a wicked person if you're not concerned about the poor, that you don't care about them. How can you call yourself a righteous person, which a righteous person is someone who keeps the commandments of God? So I just want you to understand that. It's getting back to Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49. The crimes of your sister Sodom were pride and gluttony, fat, fat, fat eating, eating too much. She and her daughters were careless and complacent so that they did nothing to help the poor and the needy. They were arrogant and committed disgusting acts before me so that when I saw it, I swept them away. So let's understand what the sin of Sodom is and let's understand what he says about modern-day Israel today. Modern-day Israel. Isaiah chapter 1. The King James here, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzzah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Verse 2. Now, this is very important, so pay attention. Verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. So this is a message for the entire world. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Prophecy. Verse 3. The ox knows his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people does not consider 
In other words, they don't know who they are today. They don't know who they are. They don't know that the United States is associated, that Americans are associated with Israel. They don't understand the reason why we have a relationship with the Jews, because the Jews are our brothers. That's why. They don't understand why Britain is linked with Israel, because Britain is our brothers as well. We're all part of the tribes of Israel. The 12 tribes are all part of that. But anyway, verse 4, all sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, and they are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. Now he says the whole head is sick. Right now he's talking about the head, the the um, people that rule this country. It was the same back then. It's the same today. And the people in this country, the governments and the chiefs and the rulers, their heart is sick for them to think that homosexuality is okay, that it should be accepted in society today. Not according to the Scriptures. Verse 5, why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole head is sick. The government is sick. And the whole heart is faint. Verse 6, from the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified in ointment. He's talking spiritually here on how we think. And unfortunately, folks, this is what this is going to lead to. Verse 7. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. There's going to be rioting and people not getting along because they don't have food. Your land, strangers devoured in, in, the, in your presence. It is desolate. It is overthrown by strangers. And verse 8. And the daughter of Zion, which is the modern females of today, beginning at Jerusalem and expanding into the entire world, is left as a cottage in a vineyard as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers as a besieged city. Can you imagine that? Now, verse 9, here's the key verse. Except the Lord of hosts had left us into a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. In other words, without the remnant, the people that are crying out to God to have mercy on the rest of the people of the tribes of Israel and around the world, he says that we would be as Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? That got destroyed, right? And then verse 10 is a key verse. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. And so he's, 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 he's calling us that today. That's what we are. We, we, and... Obama, unfortunately, folks, you know, I, I'm black, he's black, but when it comes to obeying God, I don't, I'm colorblind. I, I don't look at somebody being black and, and white or green or yellow. I have to, to evaluate based on behavior, and this not normal behavior for the president or anyone else, based on the Bible, to endorse homosexuality. You know, God loves gay folks but he doesn't appreciate their behavior because it harms them. It harms them. And really, 
if the whole world was gay, how how could we procreate? And we have to use our common sense there, which the Bible says you have if you keep the commandments. And if you don't keep the commandments, you don't have common sense, unfortunately. So Isaiah, and this is where we're at right now in terms of the way we think. Isaiah 5, verse 20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good. And that's what we're doing in this country. This is one of the greatest evils of all time, homosexuality. God destroyed a, a, a territory because of that. Isaiah 5, verse 20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. See, this is a warning that I hope goes out to as many people as possible over the Internet. And you listen to this message, tell people. Tell people there are some people that know the Bible. There are some people that know it well enough to teach and, and tell and preach the truth out of it. And if anyone has any close connections to the president, have him listen to this Bible study. You know, help him to understand that he needs to repent. He needs to repent the you know, to avoid the catastrophe that's going to occur, not only to this country, but worldwide. Uh, and this prophecy, I've read this several times. I'm going to read it again in Jeremiah 18, verse 7. And remember that Jeremiah was a prophet to the nations. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it. Verse 8. If that nation, this is any nation, against whom I pronounce, turn from their evil, that repent. I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. So, this is a message that needs to go to the President of the United States and to other rulers around the world. That the end times are here, folks, as evidenced by the Sodom and Gomorrah situation, that Yeshua prophesied of in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. This is one of the signs of his coming, that there would be rampant homosexuality. And it's starting to get that way now. And it's starting to be accepted in society. And the United States leads the world. And a lot of uh, countries copy us. So anyway, and in Luke chapter 17... Verse 28 says, Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sowed, they planted, and they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven. It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Verse 30, Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, I want you to focus on this scripture here because this scripture is very significant. He's associating what happened in the days of Lot to the time of the coming of the Son of Man, to the 21st century. Thus, he says, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. What? Well, the days of Lot. And we know what happened. Why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Because of the rampant homosexuality. And so I, I just hope that you understand here what's going on. The first gay president 
or the first president that has ever endorsed homosexuality, that is a sign that we are, we've already been in the end time, but we've reached another level in this end time, a level that's going to lead to to a bunch of curses and catastrophes in the future. And I hope you're listening to me because you must prepare for these things. Just like Noah, because he compared uh, the time of his second coming to the days of Noah and Lot. And in both those situations, Noah uh, was able to escape the flood because he listened to God and Lot. Reluctantly, but he did. Uh, listened to the two angels and he was able to escape. And so we have to be able to do the same thing. We just can't just have our head in the sand and think everything is okay in the world when it isn't. It isn't. It's not. It's not. Everything is not okay. In Proverbs chapter twenty-two, verse three, it states, "A prudent man foresees the evil." And I'm telling you right now, I'm trying to help you foresee the evil, and hides himself, but the simple pass on, and are punished. Now, I'm sure no one likes punishment. So if you don't want to be punished, listen up here. Listen up and 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 find out how you could prevent yourself from being punished. And what you must do, you you must repent. You you have to repent and change and stop thinking that you are righteous in the eyes of God. That's a part of the gospel message in Luke chapter three. Let's let's turn to this again. I turn to this the scripture a lot. Luke chapter three. And this is a prophecy of John the Baptist, who was the uh, one of the, the the first Elijah to come. There's going to be a second one. Uh but in Luke chapter three, verse seven, it says, Then he said to the multitude that came forth to be immersed or baptized of him, O generation of vipers. Who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? See, there's going to be some wrath coming, folks. And I'm sure you want to escape that wrath. Verse 8, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Or we are part of Israel, or whatever you want to say. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Or Abraham. Verse 9. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. The trees in this scripture is referring to human beings. Every human being, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit or good behavior is honed down and cast into the fire. And then, of course, the people say, well, what, what should we do? In verse 10 of Luke chapter 3, and in verse 11, And he answered and said unto them, He that has two coats, let him impart to him that have none. And he that hath meat or food, let him do likewise. So again, what Yah or God wants us to do, Elohim wants us to do, he wants us to give, give, and don't be stingy. That's what he wants us to do. That is the summation of all the commandments, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And all the commandments help you to accomplish that. And in verse 12, he says, Then came also the, the tax collectors to be immersed, and he said unto them, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than what which is appointed unto you. Don't don't overtax. And in verse 14, And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any fault. And this is, okay, of course, wicked violence. Like, you know, the bullying and all that that these kids do, and even adults are bullied. 
neither accuse any falsely and be content with your wages. Uh, don't don't pursue riches to the point of where you drive yourself out of your mind. That that's what he's saying there, and, that, and that's good things to remember today. But you know, folks, we, we've got to get serious here. We got to get out of this fairy tale land of this uh, of this country. And you know, Ezekiel chapter thirty three is a good scripture here um, about service of God and and what we have to do. And it states here, let me just read this here, in Ezekiel 33, verse 1, Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say it to them, When I bring the sword upon a land, or, or army, or an army, and if the people of the land take a man at their coast and set them up for their watchmen, if when he sees a sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people that whoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword comes and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So, you know, I know I'm a watchman. I see things, and um, I have a responsibility of warning you. So, but my motivation is not <laughs> just that your blood will be upon my hand if, if I don't warn, but I want to do right anyway. I want to, to uh, contribute in the way that I can, and this is the best way I can contribute. One of the one of the ways I can contribute. One of the best ways. So, but he set specifically Ezekiel as a watchman into the house of Israel, and I'm just reading you the words of, of what this prophet stated, because Ephesians two verse twenty says that the the assembly or the people of God, their foundation is the apostles and, and the prophetic writings, and so I'm just reading to you. I know some people try to say that this is talking about them, but no, this it's, is the prophet Ezekiel, and I'm just reading you what Ezekiel. Stated, okay, and that's all I'm doing. So I'm not going to get arrogant like that. So, but Ezekiel 33 verse says, "So thou son of man, I set thee a watchman into the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me." Verse eight: When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, so we have to warn the wicked from his way. That is a part of the gospel message too, folks. The gospel message is about life and death. You obey the commandments, you live. You don't, you die. That's that's what the gospel message is all about. That's why Yeshua stated, repent. Repent and believe the gospel, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand, because you didn't warn. Verse 9, this is a tremendous responsibility that I have. Verse 9, uh, nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, and if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered your soul. So my job is to tell you the truth. It's up to you to believe it. Verse 10, Therefore, o, o thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus you speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Verse 11, Say unto them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Verse 12, Therefore thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, 
The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turns from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sins. So what he's saying basically is that you better stay righteous. Don't think about going wicked because you're not going to be able to save yourself when you do that. And then the opposite happens. If some of you that are listening to me right now have done wicked things, God is very merciful. That's why I call my fellowship the merciful servants of God. Repent. Listen to what I'm telling you here. Listen to my broadcast. Listen to uh, the latest program that I did on why did Jesus die. Listen to the program about the law of Moses is not nailed to the cross. Listen to the program about the great white throne judgment. These are all programs that will help you understand what you need to do. Listen to my archives on the basic doctrines of God. The first doctrine, the basic doctrine of God is repentance from dead works. The second one is faith in God or trust in God. The third one is the doctrine of washings or baptisms. The fourth one is the laying on of hands. The sixth one is the resurrection of the dead. And the last one, the last one is eternal judgment, which the great white throne judgment Bible study that I did last week was basically all about that doctrine. But anyway, Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 13, When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live, if he trusts his own righteousness and commit iniquity, and that's, committing, that's being self-righteous, when you trust to your own righteousness, you can't do that. You can't trust to your own righteousness and commit iniquity. All this righteousness should not be remembered, but you have to trust in God's righteousness. But for his iniquity that he has committed, he shall die for it. Again, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. If he turn from his sin or repents and do that which is lawful and right, verse 15, if the wicked restore the pledge, give again that he has robbed. Walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity. He shall surely live, he shall not die. And people tell me that keeping the commandments has nothing to do with, with living. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Verse 16. None of his sins that he has committed shall be mentioned unto him. He has done that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. Verse 17. Yet the children of thy people say the way of the Lord is not equal. Actually, they don't say that to me. They say, Bernard, you don't know what you're talking about. But all I'm doing is as, as you can see here, I'm just quoting to you what the scriptures state here. Ezekiel 33, verse 17. Yet the children of thy people say, The way of the Lord is not equal, but as for them, their way is not equal. <laughs> verse 18. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, he shall even die thereby. Verse 19. But if the wicked turn from his wickedness and do that which is lawful and right, he shall live thereby. Pretty simple. That's the gospel. Verse 20. Yet ye say the way of the Lord is not equal. O ye house of Israel, I will judge you, everyone, after his ways. Verse 21. Verse 21. And it came to pass in the twelfth year of our captivity. This is talking about Ezekiel's captivity. So let me go down here in verse 24. Actually, verse 23. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, they that inhabit those wastes of the land of Israel speak, saying, Abraham was one, and he inherited the land, but we are many. The land is given us for inheritance. Verse 25. Wherefore, say unto them, Thus says the Lord God, You eat with blood, with the blood, and lift up your eyes toward your idols, and shed blood, and shall you possess the land? In other words, you're sinning, shall you possess the land? Verse 26. You stand upon your sword, you work abomination, and you defile everyone his neighbor's wife, 
and shall you possess the land? <laughs> Verse 27, say thou thus unto them, thus says the Lord God, as I live, surely they that are in the way shall fall by the sword, and him that is in the open field will I give to the beast to be devoured, and they that be in the forts and in the cave shall die of pestilence. Verse 28, for I will lay the land most desolate, and the pop of her strength shall cease, and the mountains of Israel shall be desolate, that none shall pass through. Verse 29, then shall they know. Then, just like Isaiah 26, verse 9 states, when the judgments of God are on the earth, then they'll learn righteousness, right? That's just the way it is with uh, most human beings. You have to be spanked. And the way God spanks you, he takes away the stay of bread, takes away the ability of you to be able to support yourself. That's what he does to get your attention. Verse 30. Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee. And this is talking not only about Ezekiel, but folks like me that are preaching the truth. And I know I'm spoken against. I know I'm gossiped about. Okay? If, I, if, if I'm supporting a prophet's message, which I do, I'm going to be persecuted like that prophet. And that's, I am persecuted, just like Ezekiel. I'm not calling myself a prophet, but I certainly preach his message like any other message in the Bible. Verse 30, also thou son of man, the children of thy people, still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. And this will happen to anybody else that supports this message and supports the Bible and what it says. And so it's not just me, but anybody else is preaching the truth as well. And speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that comes forth from the Lord. Verse 31. And they come unto thee as the people come, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. I can relate to this one, that's for sure. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goes after their covetousness or their lustful attitude and sentiment. Verse 32, and lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. Verse 33, and when this come to pass, lo, it will come, then they shall know that a prophet has been among them. And I'm not calling myself a prophet, but all I'm saying is that I support Ezekiel's message and when these things happen that I say, then you'll know that God raised up Ezekiel to write these words for folks like me to preach these words to you. And you'll know that the, the scriptures are, are, are real, they have life, and they are full of truth. So, folks, things are going to get really rough here. I tried to explain this as simple as I can. And uh, we need to really understand how God feels about us in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 15 he calls us Jezreel wax fat verse it says but Jezreel wax fat and kick thou art waxing fat thou art grown thick you are covered with fatness then he forsook God which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation you can read this whole chapter because it's addressed to the entire world this prophecy in verse 1, it says, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. So, for America, we're going to get financially worse if we continue on with this gay agenda. 
If we continue on with this gay agenda, things are going to get worse economically for us. Unless God has mercy on us, and he tends to have that. But without the mercy, it's going to get worse, folks. Uh, Worldwide, you have other countries embracing homosexuality. And with Obama, with his influence and the fact that he won a Nobel Peace Prize and so forth, he's going to influence other nations to do the same thing. So it's really not good news on that end, but it's good news knowing that we know that the kingdom is coming soon. We know that the kingdom is coming soon. And that is something that we should really, really uh, look forward to. It's going to be some tough times ahead of us, folks. But we need to to understand the prophecies of the Bible, and we need to be, uh, we just need to understand that if you obey God and read Psalm 91, it's a very important psalm for you to read at this time. Um, this prophecy here in Malachi chapter 2 states here in verse 17, You have wearied the Lord with your words, and you say, Wherein have we wearied him when you say everyone that doeth evil is good? And that's what they're doing right now. They're saying that homosexuality is okay in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them, or where is the God of judgment? And then in verse 1 of Malachi chapter 3, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight. And behold, he shall come, says the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. Verse 3, And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi or Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering of in righteousness, meaning that the sacrifices will be reinstituted again. Verse 4, Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of the old, as in the former years. And I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, and against the adulterers, and against false swearers, and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and them that turn aside the stranger from his right and fear not me, says the Lord of hosts. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's realize we're entered another phase of the history of this world right now, and we need to stay close to, to Yah, to Elohim, to the best of our ability. Well, may the great Elohim bless and keep you, and Yah willing, I will be available for you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. 
and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.